Okay. First, like, did you even know that Dia had swim? I did. And I saw a bathing suit that you have in your dating profile on there. Oh yeah. That one from city chic, the black one with all the boob. (laughs) Yeah. They're out to play and it gets a lot of swipes. Go visit dia.com to start shopping for your swimwear because this is the time to do it. By the time summer actually gets here, it's all out of stock. And don't forget to use our code SWIPEFAT for 30% off. That's new and returning customers. Head to dia.com and get shopping. This is Swipe Fat, and I'm Alex. I'm Nikki. Welcome. We keep doing these morning um, sessions, and maybe, maybe they're not meant for us. Maybe. They're not, no, they're, they're 100% not meant for us. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to say that I'm going to put that out there right now. They're not meant for us, especially when you dragged me out at 10 o'clock the night before. Um, and I was drinking whiskey, like it was water. So, but it's fine. I'm rallying. I have coffee and we're going to do this damn thing. Yeah, we are. We're going to do it. Of course. Of course, I'm this hungover when we have a like a very important guest on. We do have a very important guest today. Uh, they are Sonali, a award-winning clinical social worker, sex therapist, adjunct lecturer, grassroots organizer. Um, I'm very excited to have them on. Uh, they are based in Philly and um, a super fat, queer, bisexual, non-binary therapist and co-owner of Radical Therapy Center. Uh, They specialize in treating sexual trauma, diet trauma, racial and immigrant trauma, um, South Asian family abuse, and they are like all while offering positive, fat positive sexual health care. So needless to say, we were super pumped uh, that they were available to talk to us. Uh, We got a lot of your questions organized and you all had some great ones. So we're going to, we're just going to jump right in and ask them. Hi, Sonali. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We're so excited. Nikki. We get, we get so many questions. Alex found you on TikTok. I remember. Yes. And then, then was sending me your Instagram reels and then we took mm-hmm. a deep dive and we're like, we need them on. Yeah. One, really, <laughs> one like super resonated with me and I was like, oh my God, I feel like, like you just you saw me and, um, that like, yeah, I was like, we have to have them on because like you were just like the nuggets of truth you were laying down. I was like, okay, we have to. So I think I'm so glad we can make it work. One, uh, about when you're ready to have sex, mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. I had just had sex with someone and like something just fell off. And, um, I was like, but then I saw your video and I was like, I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready. Cause I wasn't like advocating for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was, that was the thing that really got me. I was like, Oh, that's why it felt weird because mm-hmm. I wasn't ready. And sometimes we need a few attempts getting back on the bike. Yeah. Um, figuring out like, Oh, I fell off this time because you know, my, my foot got caught in the pedal or, you know, my balance got, got off a little bit. I was distracted looking at something on the other side of the road, you know? Mm-hmm. That, yes. That's totally a nice, normal. A nice way to put it. Yeah. So we've curated a list of questions from listeners because we're not experts, obviously. We could just give our own opinion. Um, and I, I hope 
we can just like go through all of them with you and hopefully give people the advice that they're like looking for. Um, the first one is as someone who's gone through fat trauma, I find it hard to feel comfortable in my own body during sex. How do I work on that? Are there any like baby steps? I think that there are so many. Um, when I am working with clients who are struggling with being present during sex, sometimes it is because we get caught in our heads worrying about how our body's being perceived um, or we feel uncomfortable because we're not yet ready to ask for what we want mm -hmm. or um, say no to what we don't like. And some of the ways that we can practice that is actually like working on those assertive communication skills outside of sex, because that skill is transferable. So practicing saying yes and no outside of sex in situations like ordering complicated coffee beverages um, without apologizing. Um, I was just going to say, I feel <laughs> like when I do that, I'm always like, okay, sorry, this is going to be like a long one. <laughs> no, like if we are going to accept that my body is allowed to take up this much space, then so is my coffee order. Mm. I'm, I'm not at all saying be an asshole to baristas, you know, worker solidarity, you know, tip your barista as well mm -hmm. and put in that complicated coffee order and own it. You're allowed to have the pumps of hazelnut, the whipped cream and the, the soy milk or the half soy, half oat, like, you know, whatever wild combination you want. Um, the same way that if you want to use a sex toy during sex or you want to, or, you know, you can only orgasm in this one specific um, position. Like you can only orgasm while laying face down with your legs, like pressed together really tightly, or you can only orgasm laying on your back with your knees spread apart. Um, we need to be able to advocate for ourselves during sex and name that. And it's totally normal and okay. Do you um, know Drew Afalalo? I worship the altar of Drew Afalalo. So yeah, we, we had her on, we do too. And we had her on and she said like one of those simple ways to like gain confidence is if somebody gets your order wrong, like say, hey, excuse me, like this is wrong. Or when somebody says your name wrong, correct them. Mm -hmm. So if that makes like such the it's like those little simple things that we don't think about, like, I don't know. Like yeah, I, that we're like acquiescing yeah. a I part of ourselves. Last night I got in an Uber with Alex and they said my name wrong. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I don't even like bother like arguing with them about it at some point, but I should, I should be like, <laughs> no, my name's Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> so hard, but like the simple things we like, those are little nuggets that we can take. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to argue with an Uber driver, but like, you know, <laughs> someone who's paid a little bit more like yeah you try to get my name right <laughs> we deserve to have this exchange with the correct pronunciation of my yeah. name yeah like respect I mean it's the same way with yeah. sex is like what you're saying and I think it's the it's crazy that we don't think that we deserve respect in that arena you know it's like the most vulnerable you can be and yeah you deserve to feel comfortable this isn't on our list of questions, but it's something we actually talked about last episode. Is there like a theory of to why you are like, I'm more comfortable expressing what I want in the bedroom with like, um, just like 
a hookup almost or like something casual, but in a relationship, I am like, I tiptoe around it. Is there a reason why? (laughs) Well, I eventually get there, but like, I, you know, like. That's that's fantastic. Sometimes it's an avoidance of intimacy or a fear of intimacy. You know, there's something so beautifully like expansive about knowing that you're going to have this one experience and you get to go all out. You get to just say all the things that you really want because I don't care about your feelings or I don't care about them enough to put them before my own. And the hard part is that in wanting to cultivate a long-term relationship, we actually have to be able to put down those walls and name like, hey, I actually said what I wanted and you didn't do that thing and it hurt my feelings or, uh, or, you know, I'm so scared of disappointing you that I was too afraid to, to tell you that I actually want this. Yeah, and I think it's that, that is it for me, for sure. I don't want to disappoint you. Yeah, yeah. which is people pleasing mm-hmm. and it like inherently puts us in relationships and positions where we put someone else before ourselves. And there are situations where it's really important, right? Like if I'm a parent and I have a little person that I'm responsible for, you got to do that. Uh, if I have a small cat, a small furry friend who relies on me, right? There's, there's certain situations where it's appropriate, not for humans who are like adults and doing okay. And yeah, that's fair. So we, we get this question a lot too, but I think a lot of people, a lot of our listeners um, maybe don't feel comfortable naked. And that seems to be like a big part of why um, they feel like they don't have the confidence. Um, If someone is feeling uncomfortable naked, do you find that there's like a, a way to sort of deal with that? I feel like I want to normalize us having comfort at any level of dress or undress mm-hmm. I think that with Bopo the way that white that Bopo is really white supremacist and has like recreated all kinds of weird standards um we don't have to create a new standard of if I'm not confident while I'm naked then I'm not confident mm. so if you want to have sex with a t-shirt on if you want to have sex with a sports bra on or with a skirt on if you know, whatever it might be. If you want to have sex with clothes on, you know, that's, that's totally okay. We don't need to create a new standard of, of how to have the most uh, accepting loving relationship with a naked body. If you are someone who's like, I would love to have sex naked. Um, I would love to enjoy going to a Korean sauna and like walking around a bathhouse without clothes on, without a towel on and feel self-conscious or worried about people's judgments. You know, one thing that I ask is like, where did that come from? Um, Who taught us to give other people's opinions so much uh, room for rent, you know, free rent in our brain to hold so much space there? Um, How do we benefit from that? Mm -hmm. And I would again use a really similar example. Um, If you're trying to be more comfortable during sex, we got to find low pressure environments for you to practice being naked and practice how you talk to yourself, how you walk with an ownership over your body, Um, not letting other people's supposed judgments exist in our brains. So I think of, um, I think of even a place where you can get a, a manicure pedicure um 
having your legs showing like start with start slowly you know start with like up to your knee up to your thighs um clothing where you're where you're not wearing sleeves um i'm thinking of um taking nudes at home mm -hmm. you know just by your, just for you just for yourself where they stay in a little protected folder they don't have to go to anybody but do you admire the way that you look when you're naked where it's, it's a solo worship ritual yeah do you like that a lot do you say beautiful things to yourself in the mirror when you look at yourself naked I walk around my house naked a lot. I'm a naked neighbor. Um, <laughs> you know how you, it's like you have a naked neighbor, you are yeah. a naked neighbor. Well, that's me. I've learned, like, sorry guys. Um, <laughs> but I think it's so important just like doing normal activities in your house, like naked, if you want to be comfortable, like it's a great way like to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't like fry anything, you know, when you're cooking, but I make my coffee or do like, like, you know, like I don't get dressed until the very end of like getting ready. Like just because I don't know, just to catch yourself in different angles in the mirrors that you wouldn't normally see. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's how I become slight, like more comfortable with myself, I think. And if you challenge with a lot of negative thoughts or judgments, when you catch yourself at different angles, you know, try to challenge yourself to say three positive things. Mm -hmm. So for every one mean thing, you have to say three positive things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if it's hard to think of positive things that are just based off of aesthetic, think of like texture, sensation, touch, um, balance, function, things to find gratitude for. I like that. It's like combining the Serena Kerrigan talking in the mirror thing. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do two. <laughs> uh, a question we get a lot and we discuss all the time is how do I know I'm ready to have sex with someone? Do you believe in dating quote rules that say someone should wait like first X amount of dates or whatever? I don't believe in dating rules that are like just universal and generalizable because sometimes we meet somebody who really excites us and we don't want to wait for that rule and that's okay. I also think that there are times in our lives where like we might want to wait for different reasons and that might be because we really want to get to know someone or we know that sex really changes the way that we relate to someone when we're dating or sex really makes me get really attached to someone really quickly. And I feel like I obsess over text messages or phone calls in a way that doesn't feel good to me. And so I try to think about how sex influences that relationship. So I think it really has to go person by person. Um, I know that What diet culture does that I think is so heinous is it disconnects us from our intuitive voice. It really teaches us that if I listen to this like 10 step diet, this, these 10 diet culture rules, then um, I will learn how to have a better, I will learn how to restrict and control my hunger, my hunger for food, my hunger for pleasure. Um, and this will make me a better person. But what it does is it teaches us to ignore hunger cues, ignore our cues for desire, touch, pleasure, sex. And it tells us that all of these urges are like animalistic or gluttonous or 
a slippery slope. If I let myself feel hungry and, and buy Oreos, I'll eat a whole Oreo sleeve. But also like, baby, it's okay to eat a whole Oreo sleeve. Like, enjoy it. You can have a whole box. You can have a whole factory. You can have it all and it, it would be okay, right? These things are only really maligned in a world where fat phobia exists. And so a lot of healing our relationship to diet culture um, is actually reconnecting to that intuitive voice. So that means trusting ourselves when we have sex with someone too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we only realize that when we're like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't have the sex that I really wanted. I, I didn't feel comfortable asking to use the toy that I really wanted yeah. or the, the lube that has THC in it that I was really excited to try or, oh man, I, I, I agreed to take the condom off and I really didn't want to do that. And that just gives us data after the fact. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're in this horrible, awful place. We need to shame spiral because I did such a terrible job advocating for myself. Like we're always learning and improving on the scale of assertive communication during sex. So uh, you will know when you're ready, uh, when you're kind of thinking, I think I'm ready to, um, I th- withstand the blow should I be rejected or should I come back from the sexual experience and not have a perfect experience I think I can handle it I think that I'm not gonna fall into a spiral of shame or even if I do mm-hmm. um, I know who to call I know yeah. what friend will give me some good support yeah I'll be okay I got myself I think that's a good level of like indication because I think I mean I know that forever I thought like the three date rule was sort of like, you know, the end all be all. And if I didn't like put out quote unquote by the third date, like a guy wouldn't be interested in me anymore. Um, And again, I'm like, now I'm really, I'm like realizing that it's just this disappointment thing. It's like, I don't want to disappoint the person, but like these rules are put on us from society. I mean, obviously if someone's pressuring you to have sex, at any point in time like that's not the right person and like not cool at all but if you're putting that pressure on yourself I think that's the hard part and when you say like you come out of it like a shame spiral sort of like I I'm the one who did this to myself that sucks even more you know it's like like no one was pressuring me I was putting that pressure on myself oh we took too much responsibility sometimes yeah 100 percent and a lot of times it sometimes is victim blaming or self-blaming when like, mm-hmm. it's okay, babe. Like actually in a world where we are not steeped in purity culture, we're not measuring every sexual experience as if it has to be magical, holy, perfect. Right. But, it, but just like riding a bike, like actually many of these experiences of riding a bike are going to include me falling off of it, getting a little bit injured overexerting myself yeah (laughs) um we had two questions um come in about uh like a lack of sexual experience Mm -hmm. um one about their own they said it was they felt like it was because of their own body insecurities and the other one was sort of like worried about being shamed by their partner for a lack of experience um so do you have any tips for someone who wants to have sex for the first time and feels like maybe they're a little behind the ball, um, but also maybe worried about that because they are in a larger body. For folks who are worried about having sex in a larger body, I 
really recommend watching porn with fat bodies. Um, there are so many folks on OnlyFans right now who are creating incredible content where you get to see how glorious and full of pleasure the fat body looks like it's having when it is enjoying sex. Um, so I really recommend like uh, trying to watch fat porn if you can um, with like an open heart, an open mind and an idea that like fat folks deserve to have sex. And like, just cause it doesn't look the same as a thin body doesn't mean that it's any less fantastic. It's actually wonderful. Um, so much force behind our bodies. Um, so much jiggling and motion. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Fantastic experience. <laughs> we have like more canvas for touch. We have like more um, surface area for to, to experience like vibration and, and gripping. And it's really um, a very pleasurable experience if you let yourself uh, have it. Um, the one thing that I really want to make just so much gentle appreciative space for is this part of ourselves that actually encourages us to wait until we're ready like if we were to actually relate to that part with appreciation and gratitude we could see it as a protective part of us we could see it as this like gentle i feel like it's like a middle school age part of myself who's like hold on, let's get the facts, let's get the figures, yeah. make some decisions next week. Um, but, but when we act like that part is like really inconvenient or like something to be ashamed of or something that a future partner would detest or loathe or want to like belittle, that makes me feel sad for it because that part is actually so necessary. And I don't want to moralize it. There is no, like, um, no one's a better person for having waited. Um, no one's a better person for having not waited, right? I don't want to moralize um, that, that part of it at all. But it is wonderful to wait until you have the skills to have the sex that you want. And partners will know that. They'll be able to feel it because they'll be able to hear you say, uh, these are the type of sex toys that I really enjoy uh, using. This is the type of touch that I really enjoy. Um, you know, arrive to a conversation of sex with a future partner with all the information that you've culled and cultivated over the years, right? You must be a pro at masturbating by now, I would yeah. hope, right? You must yeah. be a pro at like what kind of porn you like to watch, what kind of like fantasy or role play you're really into. So like, bring all that data to the table. That's data that your partners want to know about. And we don't need a whole lot of technical experience when some of the best skills that we need for good sex with other people is the ability to listen yeah. and the ability to, to communicate. You know, if you have those skills, you actually have most of the skills you need to have great sex. Right. And like, this is actually an aspect of sex shame where we assume that like having a great amount of, of sexual experience or even just a small standard is the best and whatever I have isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> TikTok has been such a great resource because I, for the longest time thought I lost 
my virginity. I didn't have sex for a very long time. And I thought I was like so old and I was the only one. I felt like, it felt like lonely, like that it was just me. And I was just wait, like, besides people who are waiting for marriage, but like TikTok has started to normalize that it would, a lot of people are waiting or haven't like, and I, I wish there was something like that. Like when we were, when I was a little bit younger in my early twenties. Man, what I wish that we had from this generation. Oh, I mean, there was back then, like fat positivity and just like seeing people that look. I mean, I remember this is so a digression, but I just remember thinking, like, they told us that like Jessica Simpson was fat, and they told us that Monica Lewinsky was fat, and the sex shaming on her part, too. Like, I remember being like, ooh, she's a slut. And like, how old was I? Like, I don't even know 12 13 14 like when that was happening like how was I internalizing that mm-hmm. and it's just like crazy that looking back on that stuff now and being like we had such a disservice for the generation that we grew up in um these things are all intertwined like diet culture purity culture sex negativity they all start rape culture mm-hmm. they all serve misogyny they all yeah. serve patriarchy the subjugation of marginalized genders at least we're working, we're working. trying trying <laughs> like, the way that monica Lewis was t- discussed anita hill was discussed oh, just, is so different than it would have been today oh. and yeah i agree with you that does indicate that there is some change yeah some baby steps steps. very 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 small little baby steps (laughs) (laughs) it's a little bit better not 100 percent um this one i this question i related to actually because it's something that we talked about on the podcast and something that um i i felt like what's happening with me but anyway the question is I find it hard not to relate every rejection I get whether it's being ghosted after sex or just after a date back to it being about my weight which makes the rejection harder to deal with like both dealing with the fat trauma and then you know rejection um do you have any tips on like how to navigate sort of like this rejection relating back to your weight somehow yeah um this to me indicates that you haven't fully accepted your body for like allowing it to exist as it is. Um, because if it was allowed to exist as it is at the weight that it is, then the rejection would just get to be a rejection. Mm-hmm. Like it's totally okay for us to have had one night and it sucks. Cause I really wanted to see that person again, but okay, I guess it's not going to happen, you know, like, right. Like just move. You just I'm have just to move forward about it. I'm just, I'm just, you get to be disappointed. Yeah. You can sit in the party sense. for sure. Um, but we have no idea if it's about your body right. and um, why, why would it be? And, and if it is, then that means that that's a shitty person. Why would we want to see them again? Right. <laughs> 100%. I know it's yeah. like, sometimes I think it's, it's right. It's like that internalized fat phobia, but I think that, um, a lot of times it's maybe it almost makes it easier to put it back on that than it having to have been something else or um that it's just this plain rejection right so it's like I can put it on something else and then walk away from it and not really think about it from any other perspective 
I don't know. That's how I sort of like was thinking about it when I was going through this whole like thing though I did get I did have a rejection this week and I know it's just a plain rejection so maybe we're maybe we're getting better that's progress progress. that's progress man and also like you can reframe that you know like my glorious body was like oh you were not too tall to ride this ride right you were I mean you were not tall enough to ride this ride you were not you were not mature enough. You were not advanced enough. You were not on my level mm-hmm. to ride this ride. And so that's why you can't ride it again. You know, like reject them back. Yeah. <laughs> You're, not like wrong. You're not wrong. Right. It's been two days and I'm already in the anger phase. So, you know, <laughs> progress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this person said that I struggle with feeling sexy and it affects my sex drive. How do I own my sexuality so that I'm in the mood more? Mm. I would love to hear what are the, the things on your list that make you feel sexy? Are, is it a certain playlist? Is it a certain scent? Is it um, the texture of a certain fabric on your skin? You know, is it a specific soap that you use in the shower? Um, what are the things that make you feel sexy? Um, and do you make time to do them before sex or before, um, if you only masturbate at nighttime? Um, are there things, reading an erotic novel, watching some type of like erotic um, visual video, could be porn, could be something else. Um, sometimes we have to actually arouse ourselves to, to uh, invite in some of that erotic energy. And sometimes there are other ways that we can create an environment that creates the conditions to have the organic arousal uh, come from that place. And it's okay if it kind of shifts from time to time. You know, when we're a little bit extra stressed, sometimes we really need that environment to have mm-hmm. the, the arousal um, come at all. Sometimes we need the environment and for us to already start masturbating or like sensual massage, sensual touch, um, some soy wax candles that we use just Mm. for ourselves, right? Mm. Like uh, a wonderful smelling um, hand lotion that really gets you feeling fantastic. Um, So many ideas, but really they involve um, dropping into your body having your body give you data that like, this feels good. I feel relaxed. I feel, I think I feel safe enough to have some, some sensuality drip out of me. Yeah. I like that. in like the, a lot of um, thing. what I'm getting from what you're saying today is intuitiveness and just like really like realizing what you enjoy instead of like thinking about what someone else is enjoying. Because I think too, as a woman personally, I feel like, you know, I've been taught that I have to like serve someone else and that I have to make them happy. And sometimes that is linked to pleasure for me, like, you know, um, but usually once I've known someone a while, not like right away. And I think that, you know, I have to realize that it's about me too, not just someone else in the bedroom. Yeah. I, I so appreciate that reflection um, because I, I do believe that we have all of the skills within each of us to heal ourselves. We possess all of those abilities and we just have to be able to tap into them or find the right folks to encourage that kind of self-healing. Right. So these, our last two questions are a little, we digress a tiny bit. Um, it's still about partnership. 
But um, one question we got was, how do I deal with my partner's family being unsupportive of our relationship, maybe because they're fat phobic? I have so many feelings about this. And um, a lot of them are like wondering why the family is so involved in your relationship. <laughs> Um, that's a good question yeah like let, let's start with like whoa why does why is this a problem to begin yeah. with um what is going on with your partner that your family is such a that that their family is such a big um contender of whether or not their relationship's going to go well um that could give you enough data about whether or not the partner might be a good fit for you because uh, if partner is not coming up to bat to to fight for you, to defend why this is a good partnership, to defend why uh, this is a relationship that's worth defending um, or worth supporting, um, then the partner is not great. And frankly, like fat phobic family, we have to, partner is responsible for creating the kinds of boundaries that we would need in order for us to feel safe with family. So um, a lot more work has to be on the partner's part in order to create that family environment that feels better, but also why is the family so involved in the relationship? Is that something where like the partner should just be doing it like already, or is it something like maybe that they should be talking, saying to their, setting those boundaries with their partner to set the boundaries? I would recommend that or even problematize it, you know? if you're feeling unsupported by family, um, what is partner doing to, to address that? Mm-hmm. Um, are you making it a problem within your relationship so that partner knows that this is making, this is upsetting you mm-hmm. and would need to change in order for the relationship to continue forward. But also like if things don't feel good, if things are not looking up, if partner is not stepping up to the plate, if family is really giving you a hard time, like it's okay to leave. Like um a lot of times family will feel protective over the person um and if your partner is not seeing anything wrong with that then that could be a red flag for for you to to know like this might not be someone who's going to be willing to to separate from the family for me yeah we have a private facebook group like where people people can come in and um talk and this has been brought up a lot in it and a lot of people, they were like, well, it's cultural. A couple of them have always been like Asian families, um, like dating um, in their boyfriend's like family. And then uh, girls will be like, jump in and be like, yeah, well, that's how it's always been. Imagine growing up plus size and in a family like that. I just, it's like, isn't there, like, we can still Oof. have progress and set boundaries, right? Or <laughs> <laughs> I have so many feelings coming from an Asian family, yes. a fat phobic Asian family. Um, and if we're talking about sons and the way that sons are treated in Asian families, um, and the types of ways that like girls are really bullied, um, and there is a cult, like in South Asian soap operas, you know, like telenovelas, we have our own, they're called serials Mm -hmm. and it's a trope, the way that the mother-in-law will almost like indentured servitude, the daughter-in-law, And the trope is this like horrible bullying that really sets up a family relationship where someone is going to hate you, where the daughter-in-law is going to hate you until the day you die. It's so horrible. It's disgusting. 
Oh my god, I can't. That's a lot to live yeah. with on you. And how? Yeah, how are you happy? Well, I'm like run far away. <laughs> like if these Asian boys are not able to stand up to their mothers and their families, honey. <laughs> we also i feel like see this one or i think i've seen this one in the facebook group before too but um do you have any tips on how to deal with a partner who is implying they want to lose weight together if you don't want to lose weight dump them yeah Run. easy peasy Run. <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like lose weight if you want to lose weight if not right that's on you bro like i'm not eating what you're eating <laughs> boiled chicken no i'm gonna <laughs> eat what i've made over here yeah, yeah. i'm eating the mac and cheese yeah <laughs> that's what nikki and i had last night partner is allowed to decide whatever they want to do with their body but I personally cannot date someone who is trying to go on a weight loss journey. I can't even date someone who has like heavy dietary restrictions um, or like talks about food a lot while we're eating it or like how the food's impacting their body. I can't be around diet talk like that. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, it would not work. Um, And you're allowed to decide for yourself um, what type of relationship you want to be in if it is uncomfortable to be around someone who is like counting calories or really worried about 10,000 steps, then like, that's not going to be a partnership that you can endure. Yeah. It's going to drive you mad. Right. Because <laughs> it makes you uncomfortable. I mean, I was in a relationship and um, he was very into dieting and mm-hmm. like lifting and, you know, protein and all this but stuff. He has an eating disorder. Yeah. And I don't think I realized that. And I was like, I was the one who was like, oh, I have like disordered eating, but like, I just, I eat intuitively, um, you know, so I just eat what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did not, he would like go on obviously disordered eating. He would like restrict himself and then he'd not, you know, and, um, for months and that would be fun. <laughs> but then he would get oh, like wrapped up in his own stuff and he'd be like, I have to lose weight and it's not like he put it on me but I felt uncomfortable because I was like I feel like I should be because you're like only eating jackfruit right oh Oh my god (laughs) I know (laughs) so it was unboiled chicken and rice you know my other issue there is like doesn't doesn't that person's you know constant restriction and like controlling of themselves doesn't that impact you in some other ways like aren't there some ways that the spray back is affecting the relationship Yes, it was. And I mean, he did it with so much other stuff too. And I don't think I even like realized it, but he had issues with his family too. So there was like a lot like going on um, where, and not sharing it too. So it's sort of like, I don't really know why you're going through all of this stuff because you're not being vulnerable. Um, Yeah. So there's just like a lot of wrapped up in there that I think he wasn't dealing with. but yeah, obviously the downfall, that was like the downfall of the relationship because you're not sharing, you know, where you are with everything. And so it's hard for me to be a good partner to help support you. Right. Like, what are the issues? I don't know, <laughs> but you're obviously like taking it on in weird ways. Yeah. Right. So hopefully he gets better. I don't know. <laughs> hopefully he sees a therapist. Yeah, literally go to therapy. I know. Right. 
if that's the one um, piece of advice I could give any man um, on the internet or on TikTok, it would be to find a therapist. <laughs> now they're using that as lines and dating profiles. So it's like, I'm in therapy, like I... in their bio. And part of me is like, we're attractive, but like weird flex. We are going to also be able to know and sniff out if you're not really doing therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It, we're going to find out. So right. don't hope you're not lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And she's not wrong though. Like they do like the, I have a headboard and, um, I, I know this is like, cause this is where we are. This is the bar. It's this so is the low. Thing about being attracted to men. Like it's really an illness. It's, it is it an is. illness and we it's wish we could cure it. I know. Like, I, I wish I could cure it and I can't. I'm by, I get it. <laughs> I really do advocate just choose something else, guys. We can really choose to be Pam any day. Let's do it. <laughs> I wish. I really wish. <laughs> like my pool would be so different. Oh, it's a plague. It's replaced. though I have talked to my friends who are only attracted to women. They're like, it's still toxic over here too. Absolutely, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you're right. The grass um, is always greener. I know. <laughs> it just seems so much nicer. It does. A lot it's of parts nice. are really nicer. It's true. Yeah. A lot of parts. I'm jealous. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think this has been really amazing. Hopefully, our our audience got a lot of their questions answered and. Um, but yeah, such as well, you, I feel like you created such a nice safe space. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Where can everybody find you on the interwebs? I'm Sonali Rashtwar and I'm known on Instagram as the fat sex therapist. I use pronouns he and they. Yes. Go follow them. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of every episode, we say bye together. Would you want to do that with us? I would love to. Okay. Perfect. Bye. bye. bye.